We all have moments where we feel insecure. Without awareness, those moments of insecurity shape so much of our lives. Hi, I'm Chris McAllister, and I founded SightShift to help people like you and me, leaders and coaches, use the moments they feel insecure to transform their identity, their teams, and their culture. Listen in as I interview people around what it means to be the kind of leader who uses these moments to transform themselves. All right, everybody, welcome to the SightShift Podcast. Excited for you to meet today's guest, Mark Stanifer of Dare to Live Coaching. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here too, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. You know, I meant to tell you this before we started, and I don't mind saying it on air. People can have the fourth wall broken. If it gets a little fuzzy on the video, it'll all populate at the end and be clear. Everybody's like, what is he talking about? Of course, I dropped something on you right before we hit record, too, saying the AC is off. He's like, why is he telling me that? I, my family starts to get... My, look, my AC is off, too. Yeah. So, like, we're, we're, we're in this thing together, man. We're doing it at the pro level. Now, my family will get mad, and the... Two of the kids will be home from school in a little bit, and they'll be texting like, why is it so hot? Who turned the air down? And they'll make it. They'll survive. Well, excited to have you here because something fun to share with everybody. Not only are you a coach, you have recently joined the SightShift leadership team, helping us leading operations and as presence coach. And so no doubt we'll probably get into some of that too today. For me, I was thinking back on our first meeting recording this episode and the overlap of the similarity of an experience our kids were having for, for school. And so what a small world, dude. Yeah, so, so glad to do this episode today. As we dive in, both of us are passionate about impacting people. And because we're passionate about impacting people and we help people, our lives are always perfectly together and we can coach because we don't have problems and we've beat everything and we're always ahead of challenges. Uh, <laughs> for you right now, personal, professional, wherever your mind goes, where do you feel like like it feels good to be Mark, I'm winning, and where might there be some places you're seeking to improve or get better? Yeah, yeah, good question. And so, of, of course, what you just said was sarcasm, <laughs> or I'm the only one who's, <laughs> who's coaching in reality, right? So where am I winning? So I think I feel like I'm winning in this aspect, Chris, and that is like finding the best of what I bring and living out of that, you know, it's mm. part wiring, it's part experience, it's part being a new frontier and learning to embrace adventure in that way. Certainly working with SightShift and being part of that leadership team fits into that. But I feel like I'm in a place where I've got a balance of what I've done in the past and experience and who I am as a person that are maybe more aligned and more in tune than they ever have been. And I think that's just like, that's kind of a bigger view, not so much specific situation or topic, but like when I oh, look wow. at where I am, that's where I feel like I'm winning, especially in relation to how I've been mm -hmm. in the past. Like this is different and it feels good. Mm. Man, I love to hear that. And I want to ask about present challenge. Before I do that, 
take us to a time when that alignment wasn't there, when it didn't feel good. Put us in your shoes. What did the world look like then? Because, yeah, I think no doubt there are people that are considering a reinvention or transition right now. Yeah. So you and I met three, four, five years ago. And it was early on in my journey out of what I'd been doing for the last couple of decades in the corporate America financial services space and into this new frontier. And my exit from there was a little, it was a little bumpy. And it was bumpy because I let myself get to the place where I just had to escape. Like I had deferred decision. I had deferred embracing some risk and unknown as long as I possibly could. You've heard me say it this way, like the pain of staying the same got to the point where it was greater than the pain of change and I had to go. And I had gotten to be good at what I was doing, but I was not fulfilled. It didn't feel like I was making impact. It was not really living out of the strengths that I bring, at least more comprehensively. It certainly didn't feel missional. It just felt like orbital. You know, I got launched into orbit and I was just continuing to orbit, orbit, orbit until finally I thrust out of that orbit really as a reaction, like a pain reaction, like I've got to go, I've got to do something different. I was not in that balance. You know, I know you like the word flow. I was not in flow at that point. I was just, I was getting up, I was doing it, I was getting it done, but I just was not in balance or flow. And my life today is just, it's just so different. I often refer to myself as Mark 2.0. It's probably more like 14.3 than 2.0, but it is quite a bit different. And, you know, part of it is because of what I described as winning. And part of it is because of, you know, the environment that I was in that I just needed to go. Yeah. You know, and I think what it will be powerful for people to understand listening to this, let's do some sarcasm again. You are a bet the farm everyday kind of guy. <laughs> and those that know Mark are like, no, I don't think Chris knows him. No, the strength of who you are is to protect. I was actually talking to like a yeah. CEO yeah. today, visionary entrepreneurial, and he's just now learning to value. I can go out with my ideas. But if there's not people gifted to build infrastructure of protection around that, you're lost. And that shows up so clearly as a strength for you. What would you say to people that are like yourself that are wisely careful decision makers and trying to be thoughtful? Would you have, knowing what you now know, would you have done that sooner? Or what clue or signal might they look for to help them with timing? Yeah. So I have said that I wish I would have made the change sooner, but the reality is I wasn't ready. It happened when yeah. I was ready and I wasn't ready until I was ready. But the indications <laughs> that this was coming were, were there. You know, when I'm just deferring the risk taking because of the unknown, or I'm too analysis focused, you know, like one of the strengths that I have is in those details, in the analysis. But sometimes analysis can masquerade mm. and as a good idea when really all it's doing is it's hiding a decision. You know, it's kind of masquerading as this idea or this best practice, but I'm really hiding from agency of owning the decision. And so mm. like, there were signs and indications along the way. I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was very fear-based in my decision-making. 
until I needed to absolutely do something. It was so clear that I needed to do something that, you know, that, that's what it took. That's what it took. And so, so that for that person that's wired like me, it's like combining those strengths of the detail and the analysis and the protecting and the thorough thinking through before you just take all your chips and push them in to the middle of the table, right? Like that is a strength, but it can also keep you from making quicker decisions or from holding back in taking that risk or risking the unknown or the failure, which, you know, that's where the new frontier is. That's where the growth (laughs) is. And that honestly, like I'm well into my fifth decade of living and it's a lesson that I've only recently learned but it's a lesson that's going to serve me well as, you know, as the rest of my time goes and ultimately expires. Yeah. I love that because there's a freshness to it. Like I care less about, you know, the perfection of someone's journey than the direction of it. And coming to that awareness, you know, means it's a lived reality for you now. It's in your bones. And really powerful. It's interesting because I think that I love the fun we're having with the podcast now because it's bringing up so much new stuff that, you know, hasn't just occurred to me. So you saying that takes me back to moments when it wasn't a hiding, it it was a proving. The room is looking at me, I'm the main leader, and a big decision needs to be made. And rather than carefully considering, especially younger years, a sweeping bravado of I have to show them I'm the leader that is going to rescue them. And then so then I'm proving and running too hard towards something not carefully considered. So wherever people find themselves, you know, what's powerful is you can build that awareness. Where for you right now would you go, okay, this is a challenge. This is something I'm trying to to improve or seeking to even turn around personal, professional, however vulnerable you want to be. So I can expand on this if you want, but I'll keep the story brief. Where we live currently is undergoing a significant transition around us. Can you share the transition? Yeah, sure. So we're at almost at ground zero for where the new Intel facility is going to be built in the New Albany area. And many of the homes around us have been purchased and leveled to make way for the development that's coming. And we sit, the, the little enclave here that we live in sits right in the middle of a proposed expansion for the New Albany Business Park. But it's uncertain if that's going to affect where we live directly or around us. And it was around this time, a little earlier last year mm. in the summer, that we first got indication that things were changing. A year later, we still don't have direction really on, on where we're going. And so I'm living in this uncertainty, this sense of kind of feeling stuck here. And it's not a bad stuck. I recognize the opportunities that are here. I see the potential, but it's just the uncertainty that's not likely to resolve anytime soon. And so I forget which character from Peanuts it was, but had the cloud kind of hanging over his little head. I always feel like there's this cloud of unknown what's what's coming. And again, I can see it for what it is, but it does present a challenge because it's an unresolved decision at this point that, that we're going to have to make. And we don't even have all the information we need to make the decisions that are coming. And so 
I know that's more of a personal than professional, but even the professional work that I've done that has so positively impacted me has allowed me to be at this point where I can be in the unknown, but not necessarily have the anxiety or the fear-based response that I would have in the past to try to just wrestle it to the ground and figure out and go. It's, there's more of a calm here, but it's an ever-present uncertainty that, that we're facing on, like, where, where are we going to be? Where are we going to be? Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think I should add this real quick. For background, for those not aware, it was announced in the State of the Union with Biden this year, but where we both live, Columbus, Ohio, they are building the largest chip manufacturing set up in the country. So giant footprint. And that's phase one. I mean, what's going to go beyond that? So yeah, Mark isn't talking about like, oh man, they put a distribution center in our backyard, which would still suck. I mean, that's, you go from a beautiful backyard view to that. Right. This is like right. absolutely going to change the landscape completely in, in every way. And when your home changes, dude, that's, when it's hanging out in there, hanging out in that uncertain space, it can be challenging. So yeah, thanks for the vulnerability on that because, you know, I think we look at each other's lives often. I find this a lot with business leaders, you know, they're like, yeah. man, it just seems like so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, they're just, they're killing it. And they think something's wrong with them to have an area that is uncertain, challenging, causing a struggle. And Mark and I are here to tell you today, that's not true. <laughs> We've all got stuff we're growing through. So really appreciate that. Speaking of, we all have stuff to grow through. You know, <laughs> people seem to be so on edge these days and stressed. And just from your perspective, I'm really interested to hear this. Like if you could get a message out to leaders just to encourage them, what would that be mm. right now from Mark's viewpoint and passions? So I think what surfaces immediately is the last two years have really showed us just how vulnerable we are to fear and how fear drives our decisions, mm -hmm. our thinking, our behavior. And I'm obviously referring to the global pandemic and what COVID has shown us in, in our response. But it's also an opportunity to realize that fear was there. It, it just took a different expression in the last couple of years. And so recognizing that there is fear that we battle, for sure. Whether we like to admit it, whether we're even aware of it or not, there's fear that we battle. And when we can get to a place of acknowledging that fear, at a minimum, recognizing it and acknowledging that it's there, then we can decide how we're going to deal with it, rather than that default reaction to that, that fear-based response. I sometimes think of it like this, like just the simple idea is take your fear, recognize it, sit it down in the chair, like a virtual chair next to you, and talk to it like you would something that is harassing you. I see you, I recognize what you are trying to help me here, but this situation doesn't warrant the response that you're prompting in me. And so I'm gonna keep you in the chair mm. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna move forward. That's kind of a simple visual, but if you can <laughs> acknowledge the fear and the hold that fear has had on you in numerous different ways, 
And then recognize the ability that leading yourself well will create in any environment where you show up to lead, whether that's professionally or personally, on the sideline of the Little League baseball field as, mm-hmm. as a coach, you know, wherever. It doesn't matter. If you can lead yourself well first, then you will become a better leader of others in whatever context or role that you show up to lead. And so like, there's a lot there, I know, but... Those are the two thoughts that surface when I hear you ask that question. I love it. Thank you. I mean, I want to say, hey, people of the world, this is a free podcast. Come on. Getting some real-time coaching there on what it looks like to converse with your fear and transform it. This is going to be two questions. They're going to seem related, but I think they're going to be different. We'll see. When did you first start to really value and care about leadership and seeing the difference it makes for someone to go first? That's a good question, Chris. I've always valued treating people well. It's just core to who I am. So the kindness and the respect, honor is one of those core values for me. So I have known for a long time, as far back as I can remember, that that's how I want to treat people. And it's pretty easy to see examples where people aren't treated that way. Mm. And so for me, leadership was an opportunity to treat people the right way with respect, with honor, with kindness. So that's always been there as far back as I can remember. And there were significant moments that are coming to mind where I initiated something. I took the lead to start something, pull a group together or to organize an event or something. So there's also been traits there from as far back as I can remember. I'm you know, recalling things that I was doing in high school that were initiative taking. Not all the time. I'm not always the first guy, but I also recognize that sometimes there needs to be somebody mm-hmm. and, okay, I'll, I'll step in and do it. So that has been there for a long time. But I think probably in the last decade, what I've understood is there's work to be done in me so that I can be healthier in those environments, that I'm not leading from my own fear reaction or my own security or the question I know you like to ask, what will they think of me? But I'm leading from a place of security and confidence Mm. that this is the right decision. And sometimes the right decision requires those hard conversations and requires Mm. creating conflict, you know, or not making people happy, I guess, maybe is another way to say it. And so that awareness and insight for me, I think is much more recent as I've recognized some of the things that I got wrong that led to the pain that ultimately forced me out of what I was doing before into a much better fit space for me. And then seeing the positive impact that can have when I apply those learnings and lessons and and insight into new leadership opportunities. Yeah. Thank you. How, how, how's that kind of a both? Yeah, I hear it. I love it. How would you define getting it wrong. If you were to state, this is what I was getting wrong and this is what I started to get right. So getting it wrong, looking back on it, again, kind of drawing from my corporate days, getting it wrong was not willing to risk being wrong. So holding back, 
You know, if I've got an opportunity in front mm-hmm, of me mm-hmm. and it looks like I could be wrong in that opportunity, then I'll hold back. I'll pull back. I'll hide from it. That's getting it wrong. Waiting too long to address some problems because I know it's going to result in conflict mm-hmm. or they may not like me. Maybe that's a simpler way to say it. Instead of making the right decisions in the right moment based on what the situation called for, mm-hmm. I was a little too concerned about are they still going to like me? And that could masquerade as, well, I want to honor them and respect them and be kind. But the motive behind it, that deeper motivation was, well, what if they don't like me anymore? Yeah. And that's an that's the insecure place, you know? So working through that then says, whether they like me or not, I can't control. I can influence, but that's I can't powerful. control it. They will decide. But this is the direction, this is the route, this is the decision, this is the opinion that I feel strongly about. And if I hold back, the motive to hold back here is simply out of insecurity. So I need to lean in. And that feels more like getting it right today. Thank you. I love that. There's a trueness and a falseness to our best attributes, right? And so, you know, there's a trueness to me willing to lead and step out and, and put myself out there and help. But there's a falseness to it if I have to be the one helping to feel worthy, right? I have to be the one that can get some glory from this so I can feel like what I'm doing matters versus whether any of that comes or not, I'm willing to pay the price to take this step. And that was mine learned the hard way. I do appreciate the long-term impact of who you are and the trajectory of these of really holding to these characters and values from a young age. Mine was the opposite. And it's embarrassing to admit, but I was like 24 and had bought a vehicle. And the I'm talking to a buddy of mine, and we both knew the guy, you know, it was his dad's dealership, basically. And he was like, yeah, so-and-so told me you got a car from him. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I didn't even care. I went in and asked. And he goes, yeah, he thought you might could have been a little more... I forget what he said now, but like, you know, not push so hard on the deal. And then he said this. He said, dude, things can be Mm win-win. I'm like 24 and I went, really? Like it was hitting me like a new idea I'd never heard. And so, yeah, you got to be worried about the guy like me who's like, you know, launching out there. And thankfully, we've both been on this path of refining. So I get a feel for when you appreciate leadership When for you, if there was this moment, did the light bulb ever go on, you know, not just around leadership, but around awareness, this introspective awareness of, you know, this idea of motive, like you were just talking about, is there any kind of moment that you look back on and and think, wow, that's really where I started to get clued into that? Or maybe just an amplified moment where it became important? Or has that too kind of always been there? So... I have had probably, so I have a tendency to look back on the past with only the critical lens. So I'll resist doing that and acknowledge that there was a certain level of self-awareness, but not enough. And so really the inflection point for me where it kind of went from flat to, oh, here's a growth trajectory, was after I parted from the corporate world, but didn't yet have direction on where I was going. So, you know, there's another clue that I didn't exit in the most intelligent and disciplined way. 
I exited more desperately, but I took some time in between to, to just rest and recharge and refocus. And what came from that was really the inception of this crazy journey that I'm on of growth right now. And as I started to look into coaching and the modality of coaching and how it works, what it is, and like I was beginning to be changed by the things that I was reading, the conversations that I was in. And it's like awareness took on a new level of importance. And now I have language that I didn't have back then. But what I realized today is all change starts with awareness. That's the moment. And so if you can't see it, you can't change it. And I'm certainly, I've not arrived. For sure, I've not arrived. But I'm not where I was either. And so mm -hmm. like the importance of awareness and the ability to allow myself to see or to be willing to see is there in a way that it wasn't there before. You know, that's kind of the Mark 1.0 to Mark 2.0 version. That's when the code was being written and released into practice. And, you know, now it's like, why wasn't I aware before? Back to, I just, I wasn't yeah. ready. In my own journey, in my own way, I wasn't ready. And I had to go through that to be where I am today. I'm going through where I am today in order to be ready for where I need to be tomorrow or will be tomorrow. But awareness, like that was the inflection point. Yeah, I love it. I love hearing about people's, you know, awareness, consciousness, expanding, growing, developing in these moments, because once you see that, you can't unsee it, you know, yeah. and yeah. your brain organizes around it. So this is going to be a fun question to ask you, and I'm really excited to ask it. Uh, what right now does Mark like the most about being himself? What does Mark like the most about being himself? Or you just enjoy about being you. I'm going to pause here. Yeah, pause. That's the fun. I have to edit this out. We'll keep going for a second. If we need to, we can. But the... the I have... Go ahead. So I think I, I would say it maybe a couple of ways. I like who I'm becoming. Like that idea of becoming is a relatively new idea for me. Mm. Or maybe the language and what it represents... We talked about this more awareness, this idea mm -hmm. of continuous growth, learning to embrace adventure, new frontiers, being present when I'm present, you know, like fully present. And again, I don't have all this stuff mastered, but I like who I am becoming. And I think the other thing that comes to mind here is the idea of courage. So part of I don't know that I've ever said it quite this way before. Part of what was a disappointment about how I used to be was giving into fear felt like I was not courageous. And being able to overcome that fear, to put fear in its place, or you know whatever that process is for others, for listeners... Mm that gave me a new sense of what it's like to live into courage, which is one of the values that I want. For me, one of the values that I want to pass on to my kids is courageous. So what is courage? So what does courageous living look like for me? You know, it's being mm -hmm. able to make the call when I need to make the call instead of hiding from the call. 
it's not living in fear. It's living out of a sense of my identity is not on the line here. I'm willing to risk in circumstances being wrong, failing, because who I am is not on the line. And so I can live in what feels like a much more courageous way in the day-to-day, in the in-between moments, not just those big hairy moments, you know, where I got to make the bold leap to leave the known and go into the unknown, but in the day-to-day, just expressing that courage. So I think reflecting on that question, those are the two things that come to mind. Yeah, I love it. Beautiful. Uh, Who I see you to be and becoming. I'm really excited to make a statement but I'm going to hold off. I'm going to ask one more question. And so when I make that statement, I'm saying this out loud to remind myself something about context. What for you right now, and this is a little different than I normally ask this question. What for you right now with just going through the work of site shift and figure that shift out as an approach or idea, and it might be what you just mentioned there, is feeding you the most. It's like nourishing you to keep coming back to. Well, just in the last week, I've started three or four, maybe in the last couple of weeks, I've started about five new clients in the coaching work. And they weren't necessarily site shift related coaching clients. But what I have found with these last five starts is being able to integrate the site shift framework the language, the tools, the simplistic representation of these bigger, deeper concepts, they're just naturally now entering into those conversations in a way that they haven't been before, or up to this point at least. And so, you know, I think like that Mm -hmm. is, that's how it is manifesting in the impact that I'm having on people. It's language that I can use, it's tools that I can give them, it's insight and awareness that I can offer to them. And it's just literally, Chris, just in the last couple of weeks, it's just Mm -hmm. really become a natural flow in those conversations in a way that, you know, for the last couple of years, it just, it hasn't been there. It's felt a little more forced or Hmm. like, unfamiliar how do I integrate like just the last couple of weeks that integration has just felt really natural and so I think that's an outgrowth of how it's impacted me the work that I've done the impact that I want to make and being able to integrate those concepts and ideas into any conversation not just those very specific site shift or figure that shift out type of conversation Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so cool to hear. And it sets up exactly what I was going to say next, because what I wanted to say right before I asked that question was, you know, you can hear the considered context Mark is giving to to these questions to get a feel for who he is. And then I'm like, hey, tell them where they can find more. (laughs) So... But even then to say, like, after, you know, I'm asking that question and you're talking about what? The impact you're having on others. And so, yeah, for those that want to connect more relationally or work with you, what's the best place to point them to to do that? Yeah. So two places. I'm on LinkedIn. That's my social media platform of choice. And you can find me there easily enough if you just want to connect and start a conversation. If there's more of an interest in coaching and the way that I coach and how I help 
deliver impact for people. Probably the best place there is Dare to Live Coaching. That's with the numeral two, dare the numeral two, livecoaching.com. That's the website. And I write there. I contribute there. There's content there that's available for folks. And, and it should give a good overview of, of whether or not this type of coaching, this type of coach would be a good fit. So LinkedIn and daretolivecoaching.com would be the two places I would suggest. Awesome. Cool. And for those listening, it's Mark Stanifer, S-T-A-N-I-F-E-R. Yes, sir. Unless your LinkedIn name is Mark with lightning tattoos, Stanifer. That would be interesting and would catch me off guard if so. <laughs> that would totally surprise you, right? No, no, there is no, there's no surprise. It is LinkedIn slash Mark Stanifer. There we go. Well, man, so fun to have you here. Appreciate who you are and how you impacted people today and looking forward to getting this episode out there. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the good questions and for the chance to just share my story and enjoy a good chat with you. Right on. Peace, friends. Thanks so much for being here. You know that self-leadership is difficult. And as you listened, if you found within yourself a desire for more awareness for yourself, your team, or your culture, or the people that you would guide as a coach, you can find more at SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T Shift.com to take the next step.